Hello and welcome to episode four of Fully Automated, the show that will never ask you for money on Patreon. Ever. We do love your feedback, however, so uh, feel welcome to reach out to us. You can always find us on Twitter at OccupyIRTheory. And uh, we are available now on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Always very grateful to uh, receive a positive review from you on any of those platforms, should you care to reach out. This episode, we're talking about the 2017 British general election and the surprising performance of Jeremy Corbyn and the British Labour Party. Our guest this episode is Owen Worth, Senior Lecturer in International Relations at the University of Limerick in Ireland. Owen specialises in the study of social movements and has published a number of works on uh, varieties of resistance to neoliberalism, from religious fundamentalism to more leftist expressions. On the day of the election, he had a piece published in the Irish Times where he argued that Corbyn would likely do very well as a result of the mobilization of large numbers of young anti-establishment voters in the UK. In the interview, you'll hear Owen refer to something called a war of position. This is a term drawn from the theories of Antonio Gramsci, in contrast with Gramsci's notion of the war of movement, which refers more to classic revolutionary strategy of trying to seize state power by direct assaults through armed insurrections, uh, mass protests, strikes and the like. Uh, The war of position is more about trying to catalyze new forms of social imagination and encouraging new ideas to which we might attach our consent. But what is the axis of those new ideas in the British context today? Uh, In the following, you'll hear Owen argue that the results of the election suggest that British politics is in the process of being re-articulated around what might prove yet to be an unhealthy battleground between young and old voters. Uh, We talk about the significance of the Corbyn result for Ireland and the way Corbyn's performance has been received by the Irish media and the likely ramifications of this moving forward. So that all said, let me now pass you over to Owen, and he'll talk to us about the British election and where the left goes from here. So, Owen, uh, thanks very much for joining us on the show today. Interestingly, on the day of the election, June 8th, uh, you had a piece in the Irish Times arguing basically that uh, the idea that Corbyn's strong performance in the election, the Brexit vote, the election of Trump, all these things that that you sort of take on this idea that they can all be read as part of some sort of global anti-establishment turn. Um, now, you wrote the piece before the results were known, though I think some of the writing was on the, ro- on the wall at the time. Uh, but for you, what, if anything, is significant about Corbyn's uh, performance? Well, I, I suppose it shows what you can do with uh, mass campaigning, uh, firstly, and what you can also do with uh, um, mass campaigning if, you com- if your back politically is completely against the wall, uh, in the sense that um, going into the campaign, he was in a lot of trouble. And not only was he in mm-hmm. a lot of trouble uh, with um, uh, in terms of the polls and various other things, right. but he was, also, he was also in a lot of trouble in terms of his own support base, who weren't particularly... And you know the the, uh, the group momentum, which was founded to right. provide grassroots uh, uh, support to it. Could you maybe uh, just comment a little bit about yeah. what momentum is for maybe listeners who yeah, aren't familiar yeah. with British yeah, politics? Yeah. Well, well, there's two two ways of looking at it. But basically speaking, momentum was um, a grassroots movement which was set up uh, to provide support for the direction that Corbyn was taking the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. So basically. It was the sum of a number of social movements. And you can argue the sum of um, the new type of left-wing politics that we've been seeing really since the end of the Cold War, uh, which haven't necessarily done that well politically. So, for example, the anti-globalization movement, the humanitarian movement, human rights movement, uh, environmental movement, feminist movement, etc. Uh, and yeah. this was an attempt, as Corbyn being a sort of character from within that, um, within that located certainly within that within that um, subsection, so to speak. This was an attempt to shore up his support, and it was obviously outside of Parliament, and it was there to basically drum up and to try and 
create a, 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 a if you like a, a I suppose you can say a war a position to to a degree create a, mm-hmm. um, a body of uh, uh, individuals which would uh, campaign for his uh, continued success and campaign for some of his ideas and, and, and basically help hold up his support. It was significant because he was doing very badly in um, within the PLP, within the Labour Party right. itself, as we all know. Yeah. And so this appeared almost as a, as a counter to that. So the election itself... Uh, demonstrate the uh, the strength of momentum because when he was um, only a month and a bit ago, he was in a lot of trouble and he was also getting stick from momentum. Key figures in momentum were not happy over the way he was uh, dealing with um, Brexit and he was seen as a bit of, he's beginning to look like a bit of a a lame duck in terms of his performance. Now that wasn't necessarily his fault. There was a lot of infighting. He was being attacked on every single side. Uh, um, But he went back to um, to the grassroots movement, so to speak, and he, I suppose, started campaigning in the same sort of way as you see uh, saw Bernie Sanders do it. Yeah, and um, and he's a very good campaigner. He's always been a good campaigner. He won two elections as a sort of outsider. Mm-hmm. And he, that's what he went back to. So um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you saying he sort of bypassed uh, momentum in some ways? Um, I'm, I'm sure that's obviously not a, a straightforward uh, uh, Well, when argument, he was in but, trouble. Uh, yeah. I think it's not so much he bypassed him. There was a big thing over, um, over Brexit. Uh, mm-hmm. The group he has, so to speak, uh, uh, momentum is generally seen as quite an out, uh, uh, you know, quite a... Um, uh, an internationalist outward looking group Mm -hmm. so generally speaking they were very anti-Brexit now there's this argument and I'll come back to this in a minute if we want to about this notion of Lexit sure uh, yeah we should I I don't think really exists but uh, we can come back to that uh, later on this idea that Brexit Brexit is a good thing because the institutional um, confines of the, of, of, of the European Union uh, make it, you know, capitalistic in a right. certain sense and, and suppress labour and various other things like this. And, and, and this is a way to, and, and this is a sort of understanding of, uh, of, of an attack on this. Uh, but generally speaking, momentum were quite pro, uh, well, certainly anti-Brexit. I wouldn't say that they're not pro-EU per se, but they didn't want to necessarily leave the EU because mm. they saw this as building greater links with uh, European partners. And Brexit has turned into this thing, which is very much being captured and probably already, always was something right. sort of national populist right wing sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were upset with that. They were upset with the fact that Corbyn wasn't really doing that much. He told his party to vote for Article 50 and the instigation of Article 50. And in his opinion, mm-hmm. he wanted, he was doing this because it was the will of the British people, etc., etc. But he also wanted, he argued, to do this uh, so he wouldn't um, um, alienate a lot of his core industrial support uh, that Labour traditionally have. And I think Momentum thought, well, you know, they don't particularly like you. They're not your thing. You know, you should be, we should be uh, pushing our own agenda. And I think there was a little bit of a case Mm -hmm. where he was certainly cut between the two and wasn't very decisive. And on top of that, he then had the mm-hmm. Parliamentary Labour Party attacking him from all sides, right. sides, the media attacking him on all sides and various other things. And also academics, uh, people like me and various other people, getting a bit fed up when uh, you constantly put ideas forward uh, when he got elected and he didn't seem to be grasping them. He didn't seem to be uh, uh, putting them forward. So it was a bit of a depressing time. And then when the election yeah. called, there was this, there were, you know, there was a feeling that, well, like, would it be a landslide? What will happen? Will yeah. tactical voting exist? And then what he did, he did what he did with, with his, um, his, basically his first two campaigns, which was to go back into campaigning mode. Creating this, I say, momentum, creates this grassroots um, organisation where basically uh, a combination of social movements come within the um, Labour umbrella, so to speak, and mm-hmm. put on uh, large events large mm-hmm. speaking events corbyn was attracting crowds not seen previously since 1945 in british politics right. 
One of the um, points then about the composition of those crowds, I mean, it it seems that it was largely a a, a youth vote. I mean, one of the points you make in your piece is that yeah. Maybe even more than a left or right distinction, although obviously that yeah. that it is that too. But it's it's also a youth vote versus a baby boomer vote. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, a lot of it's a, a, a lot of the uh, um, those which are contained within momentum are, are, are young, so to speak. But it, mm-hmm. it's not and, and driven by, or well, they're supported certainly by the the bracket eighteen to thirty mm-hmm. or eighteen to thirty five. Um, but it's not. It's not exclusively young, and it's not necessarily pushed by uh, uh, by, by by that generation. I mean, you can mm-hmm. go back and say, well, it has roots in the sort of uh, uh, the various social movements in the '60s, which have always been part of the the Labour Party, but have always very much played second fiddle to the trade unions. Now, the trade unions were also involved in this, and there's a huge important uh, factor within that of, of, of the union movement. But momentum, very much, you could, you could see it as the sum of the um, of, of, of social movements, new social movements, so to speak. Right. And overwhelmingly, they have taken uh, the young have got lots of attraction. They, 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 it's become very attractive to the to the youth vote, and you have, and there's no doubt about this. You have seen now uh, this extraordinary. I've got a piece coming out um, for. French newspaper on this, there is now an extraordinary battleground, which is pro- probably unhealthy, and it's mm. certainly divisive, and it's unbelievably confrontational now between the, the, the so-called old and the young. Right. If you look, and we can only just look at the stats coming through at this election, but if you look at them, they're extraordinary. They're absolutely extraordinary. What you're seeing yeah. is that Corbyn gains support all the way up to... I think it's something just over 50 now. He, he's still, right. anyone under the age of 51, 52 are still supporting Corbyn, uh, wow. just. But it's certainly all the way up to 45. Um, and that, uh, there's a higher increase, so you see a sort of crescendo in one line. There's a huge increase, huge increase uh, uh, for, uh, uh, for his vote. Uh, uh, he has a huge um lead so to speak with with six uh, sorry 18 to 25s it goes slowly down going up to 35 goes down again 35 to 45 and then begins crossing over around the 50 51 uh, where area. are we and then it goes where's the data coming from this isn't exit polls right this is obviously something no more this isn't... is maury which has just right. come out so it's um Ashcroft's thing. Ashcroft, yeah, uh, I saw that last night, yeah. And and that's what it's going. And, and then you go up again. And the older you go, uh, the more likely you are to vote um, uh, vote conservative. But it's an extraordinary, mm-hmm. um, it's an extraordinary map. And the other thing is the, and this is the other bizarre thing which occurred in this lecture. Again, it, it's very much a, a, um, demonstrates politics and transformation in Britain was the fact that these old industrial areas um, have not been retaken by Corbyn. There's a lot of belief that they have. But some strange things went on. Say, as Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned before, Mansfield, which has been Labour since the Labour Party emerged, went Conservative. Um, There was more. Um, The veteran MP, Dennis Skinner, nearly lost his seat. Um, These are all places in, um, I'm trying to explain that, I suppose like the Rust Belt type places, really, uh, where conservatives are making large ground there's probably a reason for that and the reason is that if you look at the turnout in those areas they're still relatively low and also Mm. they don't have a huge young population and so again it ties into age to flip the question a little bit then because um you know uh i born and raised in ireland myself and i know you work there uh listening to the irish media this morning um the drumbeat on uh, the uh, you know the, the main political weekend talk show that everyone listens to there which is yeah. Marion Fanukin's program um, yeah. was just overwhelmingly anti-Corbyn um, that you know the guy's just a blithering idiot and uh, and really um, you know a, a, you know a, a cat in a in a wet paper bag could have uh, put up a better could have could have beaten uh, Theresa May in uh, in this kind of election um, so the point there becomes 
you know, that, that basically this was more a Tory disaster and a disastrous yeah. campaign than anything particular to do with what Corbyn did. What do you make of that kind of uh, framing? I mean, uh, policy-wise, um, you say that she did turn on her own base. Well, yeah, but there is that. But I'd just like to address it. If that's what <coughs> Finucane's saying, and if that's what uh, various people in, 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 in the Dublin bubble are saying, yes. then I'd, I'd like, well, I'd like to challenge that completely. Uh, Corbyn's, this election has had more interest in Ireland uh, outside the, uh, the Dublin bubble, so to speak, than any than, than any the any in living memory, I yeah. can't remember a time where a uh, number of people took an interest in what was happening. Now, whether that would be an outpouring from Brexit on one level, or because who Corbyn was, um, so obviously there's a big, as you know, there's a big sort yeah. of uh, movement element in, in Ireland. They were fascinated by, it. you know, really hung their hat on, uh, on 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 Corbyn. Supported him more than I've I've, I've ever seen that, and this follows across uh, across many countries. They yeah you know, they do see him as an internationalist. So I will put that straight away. This wasn't just May's cock up, you know, yeah. so to speak. And if if they don't, if they even now cannot recognise the appeal of Corbyn, uh, if you like the the moderates, so to speak, within the centrist moderates within the Labour Party, and also. Various, uh, you know, figures, media figures, and things like that. Then, then, then you, you've got a question. They don't learn so uh, very, very well at all. Uh, coming back to Mason, yeah, it was a complete and utter cock up. Um, Corbyn was, I always thought, was going to make certain head, uh, you know, some certain ground. I don't know if that was my hope more than anything else, but I always thought he'd make uh, a little bit of ground. So I didn't think he'd do mm-hmm. as well as obviously. I don't think anyone thought he'd do to do do as well right. as he did. But May was probably, um, and again, to those uh, who aren't, um, um, I don't know the background to various British elections, I'll put it like this. Um, May, I was talking about this this time, about this time last week, I said, um, Theresa May has arguably uh, had the worst campaign, certainly the worst Conservative campaign since Ted Heath, who was a prime minister in um, in the early 1970s. Uh, and I said at the time that we'll see what's happened with the election to assess if it's actually worse. Well, this far surpasses that. And you can mm. make it's probably it's the worst election campaign since Winston Churchill in 1945, who decided who decided not to bother to campaign because he was Winston Churchill and he just won the war. And the only (laughs) thing he said was to uh, Labour's very well-drilled radical manifesto. He basically, you know, turned around and he said that, uh, well... You'll need you'll need a, a Gestapo to police it, and, and that's about all he said. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's and it was a dreadful campaign. And, and yeah. he went from plus twenty in the opinion polls to minus twenty. So it, it was it was, and that you can't even call that a proper election because he thought it was a rubber stamping at the end yeah. of a. You got one person thinking that, and another person deciding that it was uh, uh, actually sorry another party uh, deciding it was an election so to speak not a procession uh it wasn't as bad as that but that's how bad it was i mean it was getting to those levels it's got to be seen as uh worse than clinton basically <laughs> quite yeah quite considerably worse she was wooden she couldn't she kept cocking up her manifesto she came out with ideas and she changed her mind um so on seeing the first exit poll, uh, the yeah. journalist Paul Mason uh, tweeted that what we were witnessing here was the death of neoliberalism. And I've seen this morning yeah. Richard Seymour, uh, another British journalist, saying there, that the idea that there is no alternative is now officially dead. Yeah. And I've yeah. seen some people push back on this, that perhaps um, this is a bit too simplistic. Um, not so much, I suppose, because it doesn't indicate a change in the rhetorical possibilities of our time. But... Um, that well, we need to be kind of specific about what Corbyn himself represents as an economic ideology, and that is kind of a regression to post-war pump priming. Um, Corbyn's core ideas include a five hundred million pound uh, investment bank, free college, rail nationalisation, and these ideas. Uh, some are saying hardly jump up and scream uh, contemporary left-wing economic ideas uh, like universal basic income or the nationalisation of Uber. Um, but, uh, you know, so to what extent then um, 
is Corbyn uh, perhaps a regressive uh, yeah. figure? Well, that, that 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 argument's a sloppy argument. Because okay. It, not, uh, because to make that argument, you've got to claim, and this is the difference. To make that argument, you've got your, your basis. Have you said, oh, it's very similar to the fifties and sixties? Yeah. Well, the fifties and sixties uh, was for number one, it was a manufacturing-led economy. And it was a manufacturing-led – all European states had manufacturing-led economies, uh, you know, dating back to the 30s and, sure. and, and the notion of Keynesian economics. And, 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 and obviously work was very much geared around Fordism and the Fordist model and, 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 and things like that. So that's the first point. Um, secondly, um, the things he's put forward – and we have to take to a little bit of pinch of salt because – it was a snap election. He put this manifesto together very, very quickly and very, 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 very slowly. But and then his economic, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. His economic ideas were certainly beyond, um, say, left nationalism. They were distinctly internationalist in the sense that one of the main things he put forward uh, um, was the um, the the the, uh, the Robin Hood tax, so to speak. Uh, the uh, the backing of the uh, uh, um, the Tobin tax, the uh, yes. financial transaction tax, which no one's really taken seriously, and and he put that as a central uh, cool. a central obstacle. The other thing, of course, more ex- more explicitly, and this is totally different to any form of social democracy of of, of the fifties and fifties and sixties, was he was very very clever about Europe, and that's why I say the likes yeah. of the, the people who talk about lexic are dead, basically because. If you take um, this uh, this left wing idea of Europe that the EU is all neoliberal, uh, right? The single market in the EU is neoliberal, which technically Thatcher came out with it. It was socialised to an extent, mm-hmm. not very much to an extent by um, by uh, a, a sort of social democratic backlash from people like. Um, uh, Delore and various other people, but yeah, it, it, it is a, it, it is technically a neoliberal. How how far you can socialise that is an, is, is, is another is another That's argument. Another question, but Corbyn's yeah. Corbyn made a pledge basically to stay in the single market. He did it in a way that was really clever. Now I don't know if he did this by accident or if this was actually um, a strategy because he basically kept saying when people he wanted to move away from Brexit, and when they when they kept talking about Brexit. What he didn't want um, the, the the Daily Mail, the Daily Express, some of the key um, pro Brexit newspapers, which which have been massive in since uh, it, you know, for the last year and a half since this old Brexit debate has, 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 has come out. What he didn't want to show to them was that he was pro single market, because if he's pro single market, then they'll start going on about freedom of movement, and they. He will lose ground, particularly in his in 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 the heartland. So he didn't want to mm. say that. So what he cleverly sort of said that he was um, uh, he was going to back a Brexit. For a start, he didn't throw out Brexit. He, he said Brexit, Brexit. But he said he will go and negotiate something which would give basically access to the uh, the single market. He was basically saying we won't, we were not going to leave the uh, um, really the EEA. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, now, there's ways of managing to limit freedom of movement without leaving the EEA. And what I think he was trying to do was look at, say, the Norwegian model, which is outside the European Union, but it's still in the European uh, economic area. And and I think that's what he was certainly, from what I see, that's what he was trying to push forward. I mean, you talk about Mason. Mason's a very important point here. That's exactly yeah. what he argued the day after the Brexit result he said this is what we need to do he said a retain single party membership stay in the eea stay and retain think that the main pillars but put some sort of break on the freedom of movement only a temporary measure which you could potentially do if you join EFTA, which is mm-hmm. the other um the other group uh, which is basically in the EEA, but it's yeah. not in the EU, which is made up of Switzerland, Norway, Iceland, and Liechtenstein. Can, can I jump in with a kind of a topical question here at this yeah. point? And I mean, there's going to be people, and, and uh, I mean, I've read this, these would be kind of Remainers, left Remainers, um, who would make a strong argument that um, that kind of talk 
uh, is akin to throwing immigrants under a bus. What, what, yeah, do, do, uh, as do, in putting a brake. Uh, yeah, I don't, dis- I don't disagree with that. Um, but I think the problem is if the main, and I, and I, I mean, if the main drive, so to speak, of uh, of of Brexit was um, to limit uh, immigration. Um, if there could be some way where this, this, I think the argument was, was certainly the argument that, that Mason was making, and mm. I'm not saying that I back this or anything like that. Right. But I think the argument he was making is if you could sort of limit it uh, so that you can strengthen um, their labour rights and their human rights, which at, at some levels have been, uh, have been under attack, um, again, the extent you do that is, a, is, is, is another another argument. I think it's very healthy to have this debate yeah. within the party. With you know, the, some people just you know think freedom of movement is a right. It probably is, but um, if but you, you have also that have debate, economic limitations. Yeah. You have political limitations. More I mean, yeah, and then you've got more importantly, you've got this this observation of how you maintain support. Yeah, uh, yeah. Within this scenario, I mean, you know, the main thing here, and it hasn't really been mentioned, and it needs to be developed certainly in sure. in parts, parts of parts of the lay pipe, is that there uh, for a start, if we go back to two thousand and three when they brought in freedom of movement, uh, was it two thousand and three or two thousand and four? Expansion, I think it was two thousand and four when they brought it in. Uh, Britain and Ireland were the only two places which uh, went for. Um, the ball, freedom restricted. of movement to yeah. start with, yeah. And, yeah, and I think that had a massive effect because what happened? Businesses, particularly yeah. businesses in the east of England, and it's in the east of England where UKIP and everything else went. Uh, went well. They brought in um, number of uh, workers from Eastern Europe. From Eastern Europe, were paying them very, very little. And they put them into communities in um, sort of mid-sized communities, not met- metropolitan communities. Right. Small. And that had a massive, Small. massive mm. impact on uh, schooling and the health and, var- and, and, and right. various welfare resources. And the government cut the various fund of this. Initially, the government said, well, they will give money to sort of attempt to, uh, you know, integration money, etc. But... That was taken away, and so you've had all forms of segregation between Eastern Europeans and and and, and so-called uh, uh, the indigenous population uh, added added, if you like, mixed in with uh, you know um, employment, which was almost entirely based on uh, temporary and um, and um, flexible contract hours, that kind of thing. Zeros hour contracts and various other things. So all these things have have. Have, have, have occurred and it's again it's 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 uh, resulted in this drive to restrict immigration right which we right. all know is not that's not uh, well <clears throat> you know uh the uh, on friday owen jones um on the guardian podcast yeah. were stated and i i've been looking to see if i could back this up but i i can't find it so far um that yeah. one third of UKIP voters went yeah, for Labour. Um, do you think this? I mean, I don't know how consequential that would have been, but it seems like it might have been a, um, a, a slight factor at least. Um, the, the connection there is obviously one to do with immigration, isn't it? Yeah. I, well, I don't know where Owen Jones is getting that from. I really don't, uh, because the Financial Times cluster, which yeah. was uh, shown today, demonstrates that's not the case. Demonstrates okay. that UKIP, nearly, um, UKIP voters nearly entirely went to the Conservative Party. Um, but it's very hard to judge. I think they picked a few up from Labour because basically, um, especially the working class, uh, working class votes, because the Labour Party manifesto was more appealing. Mm. It didn't just, you know, it didn't concentrate on on immigration at all. It mentioned immigration. It mentioned, uh, uh, well, welfare. Health, uh, you know, issues which uh, which which uh, um, the nationalisation of rail is a hugely popular um, policy. Rail, yeah, yeah uh, across the board, which isn't surprising. If you, uh, I'm in Wales at the moment, and the the cost of coming from uh, coming to Wales from 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 Ireland on 
yeah. on the train is completely minimum to the one I'm going to have to do in a few days, which is to uh, to a part of England, which will probably cost me about 80 sterling. Gosh. Uh, where I did the same journey across Ireland, about the same distance, a little bit a less. A fraction of that, yeah. Uh, for 16, no, about 20 euro. So Right, boss. So, yeah, um, pr- privatization has not been good to the consumer, um, no. but, but whether by bus or by rail in, in, uh, no, it's in not, Britain. No, no, yeah. they don't, the way it was done, it was a complete disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Beginning to beginning to end. So so there were a number of things which appealed to. So I think they had a bit. You also had that tribal aspect, and that was very important. Uh, but you have to bring it back to and what I, what I call the Mansfield question. So to okay. speak. you have to bring it back to this. Only went so far. People were in these areas, in these big Brexit areas, voting Tory for the first time. The yeah. sort of baby boomer, 55-year-olds who worked down the mine, saw the mine shut, were voting Tory for the first time. There were a few who went back to the fold, went back to Labour, uh, but there are increasingly a number who were still uh, voting for the first time. Um, and yeah. it shockwaves through, uh, through Mansfield, for example, and places like that. Because they can't believe that this has happened, that the town is not nearly a Tory town. Yeah. I mean, there was some very interesting interviews, views and surveys come, uh, you know, carried out in Mansa where a number of people voted Tory for the first time, but they were now embarrassed because across the north of England, they were going to be seen as a Tory town. And so the whole, seriously, the whole deep culture yeah. uh, within the sort of traditional working class movement, the working class equaled the Labour, Labour Party, uh, yeah. does have a lot of, um, still has a lot of... Um, Resonance with people. Yeah. Um, So contrast that with, um, you know, uh, Kensington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Canterbury. uh, It's puzzling, right? I mean, how are these, you know, these bizarre swaps of loyalty? Uh, Well, there's two things in Kensington. Uh, First, uh, Kensington isn't as um, wealthy as people make out. If if you walk down the Fulham Road and start off from South Kensington, go up to uh, West Kensington, uh, near the celery market, there's 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 a huge difference. Uh, but mm-hmm. London's like that anyway, mm-hmm. and so that's the first point. And and as the Kensington uh, MP who got returned said, it's a microcosm of of, of Britain because you have these extremes within Kensington. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that there is elements, particularly in the city of London, in the wealthiest city of London, who've picked up on the fear. Yeah, that um, May's hard Brexit could lead to an um, economic catastrophe, particularly this idea of them walking mm-hmm. away from a meeting relying on WTO rules. So in a bizarre thing, Corbyn's argument that we're going to remain in, the, that we're going to have a deal, it's going to be a progressive deal, we're going to stay in the single market, has uh, bizarrely had a, 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 a strange effect on some elements of the business community. They've sort of said we'd rather pay high taxes and risk it than go mm. with um, go with uh, May. Uh, you know, it, people like Sugar, Alan Sugar. Um, right. I mean, he, he went to the Lib Dems, so to speak, and a number of went to the Lib Dems. A number of big sort of business uh, uh, figures uh, went to the Lib Dems, and they attacked both sides. Right. Uh, but you have got this element that. There is a fear uh, with that, and and you did see that in in Kensington to a degree. Canterbury, I mean, the other one, like Canterbury is a student town. You saw that okay. across the board in student towns; they overwhelmingly uh, voted. You could just boy exactly. Yeah, listen. Let's just talk about some of the mechanics of this. Um, there's all different kinds of uh, analyses, hot takes yeah. going around right now about how long a DUP Tory coalition can sustain. Uh, There's rumours of the Scottish Conservatives this weekend under Ruth Davidson splitting because they find some of the views of the DUP abhorrent. Um, For the uh, non-acquainted listener, um, what's going on uh, with the DUP and, and how uncomfortable will it be for the Tories to jump into bed with them, so to speak? I, I mean, that's a strange one, isn't it? The, uh, the last election, there was this belief that they wouldn't quite get um, over the over the line. The last election was the first time that the Tories had a majority since 
1992. Uh, so they haven't actually done brilliantly since then. Uh, now they've lost that majority. So there was a lot of a talk that they'd go in with the DUP then. Now they've lost that majority. They, they've they've gone back with them. Um, they've done this deal where basically um, they will agree on certain UK-wide issues and they would agree to vote them on UK-wide issues, but they won't vote with them on potential British or potential English first issues. British Constitution's a bit bizarre right. in the sense that you've got various bits across the board. So you've got you, 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 Northern Ireland is often seen as a separate, separate entity that's tied into a degree with the Republic yeah. uh, through the uh, Good Friday Agreement. So it doesn't vote on a number of British things. Then you've got the, the Scottish Parliament, which doesn't vote on a number of... Um, uh, English and Welsh things, and then you've got the Welsh Assembly, which uh, has a cert- can um, distinguish uh, uh, and, and bring in certain elements of, of its own. So it gives free prescriptions, for example, which don't get in a, get in, in in England. So it's a bizarre framework. And what they've done is they basically said anything which uh, affects the unique, if you like, British dimension will not be. Uh, they will not have any. Um, Saying, which of course means that the Tories don't have a don't have a majority in a number of issues, a right. number of things, in a number of ways. So, quite frankly, how you can run a government like that yeah. is, especially when they're gunning for it, where they've got no support whatsoever. I mean, it's not like in the Republic of Ireland where you've got one party who has similar views to another party, although they're they're separated through history and various other things. This is increasingly one party with stringently different uh, different positions on things and uh, the other parties in um, in in the uh, in the commons so um, the DUP be- uh, according to a lot of Irish commentators could end up being a moderating force in the uh, upcoming Brexit potentially over yeah well they uh, over over freedom and movement I mean yeah. to Give, to give people, this is a background of the DUP, uh, just a short background before the yeah. uh, longer background, so to speak. But the <laughs> DUP's position on Brexit was 100% virtually. It was the only party which, you, which were unified other than UKIP, uh, who all of them said we should leave the, uh, the EU. Right. Uh, they were the only party in Northern Ireland which believed this, and they believed in a – they initially – put forward a hardened, hard Brexit, even harder than cons- the Conservatives. They have, in recent uh, weeks or recent months, or should I say the recent years, had to backtrack because they're scared. They're scared that, uh, obviously, Northern Ireland isn't going to exist anymore if they continue this pretense. Right. So for them, uh, in order to retain membership of the union, they believe that they have to, to a certain degree, appeal uh, to uh, the population of Northern Ireland, which voted, uh, obviously, to retain freedom of movement, particularly freedom of movement across uh, across the island of Ireland. Uh, and so uh, that might add to this uh, uh, form of moderation. And there's been all sorts of talks from various things, whether they're presented as fact or not, about the DUP saying that they require freedom of movement Right. require um, single market freedom movement. But this hasn't really come from them. This is, certainly hasn't come from their party's philosophy. Uh, no, it's, it's more um, reactive to, yeah, if I'm hearing it, you right, it's more reactive to the fears of potentially a border a border yeah. referendum in the north I mean, of Ireland. If they, if, if, if they went on as they might want to, yes. uh, and uh, you know, might want to appeal to some of the hardened elements in, in uh-huh. the cons- but you've got you know you'll have a massive divide and rule not just in Britain but also in Ireland. Right. Um, I mean, you know, going back to Ireland. Um, yes. And the Kenny today, you might have seen uh, the Irish leader uh, did um, show his concern, shall we say, that Britain oh. have got to bed. Because for those who don't know, um, going back before that, the DUP were the only established party who was against the Good Friday Agreement wouldn't yes. come in with the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, the only other ones who were even near uh, uh, to any form of support was Republican Sinn Féin, uh, which has, has strong ties with with, with, with the param, uh, various paramilitary groups. So mm-hmm. um, 
you know, that's that's uh, that's that's their background. Um, they are very sort of they're the hardened of all hardened unionists, and they come from an even more peculiar background, which uh, which uh, which dates from the sixties, uh, which is basically uh, a, a sort of Christian fundamentalist background. I wanted to sort of um, get your take on uh, Sinn Féin right now. Um, yeah. There's a lot of Americans, uh, I think yeah. tongue-in-cheek, uh, but there's a, there's a whole new, um, as, I, as I'm sure you know, kind of a left awakening in the United States yeah. uh, in yeah. and around organizations like DSA and things like that. And if you follow the various uh, Twitter streams, yeah. you sort of see uh, these sort of tongue-in-cheek Sinn Féin arriving in Westminster to take their seats yeah, kind of right. scenarios. And I just noticed uh, yesterday, yeah. Michal Martin, the uh, leader of uh, yeah. the Fine Fáil party in Dublin, the, the traditionally one of the largest parties in Ireland, um, yeah. saying that Sinn Féin should, in fact, take their seats in Westminster. I, I mean, I presume there's no chance of it happening, but... Uh, no, but they've always said that anyway. Um, mm-hmm. No, um, the only way you can see is if it's something unique. Um, I mean, they've obviously, they have, a number of them have, have got um, uh, partnerships with... with um, uh, with certain members of the, of, of the Corbyn team, due to the fact that Corbyn was a significant member of the Tribune group, who tried to engage and successfully engaged with with, with Sinn Fein in the early eighties when things were not going very well, so to speak. Um, so, in that sense, they they've got a very much a bond. Uh, mm. I think it was potential on certain levels they they could enter the house on you know certainly if it's something like a referendum for irish unification or or for something that might have the odd thing but again that would have to be put to the Sinn Féin Artesh and that that goes through an emergency yeah yeah, Yeah. so they'd only get it get it through through that and and Mm -hmm. it's very very doubtful I should Mm -hmm. um a commentator for Sinn Féin so there's not a cat and L's chance but (laughs) because of the old bonds that they have with 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 Corbyn it's potential that they'd uh, they'd, they'd do something uh, you could argue with taking their seats you could question what the point is really I mean yeah. they're, they're seven they're not actually going to do anything they're not going to uh, they still would be short of vote wouldn't they yeah, well exactly so um so on that level there's uh there's not much uh there's not much point, but if say something happens when they might be required, it, it, it's possible. But it would have to go through a number of things, and probably get so, the same divi- the generational division in uh, in, in, in in Sinn Fein uh, itself, right, uh, right, over right. something like that. But you know, it's it's very doubtful because um, this sort of symbolic symbolic pledge to the Queen, which is one of these daft things which they do in the House of Commons, right. Uh, to take up your seat, you have to make this uh, pledge to the the, the monarchy. Uh, so, so okay. I mean, this thing presumably. I mean, there's also some talk about Corbyn um, putting Labour forward to create the government uh, this week, and uh, obviously, I think yeah. that's more just provocation than anything else. But, but yeah. uh, presuming that this thing sort of starts ricketing along. It it probably won't get this. This government won't get too far. What, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I think there'll be knives. Well, there are already knives out for for May. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, but but on Corbyn, um, the vultures haven't stopped flying. I mean, that's oh, right. the thing. Um, uh, it's been successful. Whilst uh, the sort of obviously the momentum lot, the people who wanted to help the team in the first, uh, the, 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 his, his supporters who were getting a bit fed up, are far more optimistic and happy. Uh, uh, including people like me, who's very pessimistic, uh, um, are a lot happier, sort of thing, and 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 and, and very key. The the is is traditional opponents. Some of them have come out and said, "Well, Corbyn's much better than we thought. We were wrong." Right. Uh, the rest of them haven't. There, uh, you've had a number of people saying, "Well, the Labour Party didn't win." Quite frankly, if they really think the Labour Party would have won an election under another leader. Uh, where they wouldn't have mobilised any of the, uh, the 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 young group, then they're um, yeah. Uh, then, so then, it's then, a deluded, then, uh, deluded kind of mindset, so, yeah. And you've got Mandelson appearing, <clears throat> uh, Peter Mandelson, uh, really? who was very close to Blair, was yeah. seen as the architect of Blair. Right? Of course, uh, Blair yes. is, is appearing and causing all sorts of trouble. 
by really claiming that there should be a, some sort of moderate group within the centre of Parliament which gets together uh, and takes over the Brexit negotiations. And so he's already created mischief to us mm. now that, that the parties have come back, that, that somehow the creates splits between the two parties and, 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 and a centrist party uh, emerges. Um, the British public have already demonstrated they can go, you know, with Brexit right or with this more, more, more left. And there is this huge gap, uh, you know, breakdown, if mm. you like, in, in, in the consensus. That's really not going to go down too well with anyone. So, but they're, they're, like I say, these things are, are flying around and, uh, what the British Labour Party, Parliamentary Labour Party, do once they get in back in uh, to Westminster, um, you know, God only knows, because th- that th- this isn't going to stop the, mm. you know, the the, 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 the internal squabbling. Sl- well, it's not just the internal squabbling. The uh, uh, the mass media not like mm. the fact that for the first time, um, well, to say mass mass media, the Fleet Street media, the popular yeah. press, have not liked the fact that they're. Uh, uh, the, the person they overwhelmingly backed has, has, has not got through and right. has not won the majority. And for Rupert Murdoch, this is the first time it's ever happened, believe it yeah, or not. Yeah, really? That's, guy. That's uh, amazing. It's the, his first election, he hasn't had his, 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 his way. Uh, and so that's, again, demonstrating the, and the momentum were key to do this. One of the things mm-hmm. that they tried to do was create a sort of war almost against the traditional tabloids this has brought in things like uh, new media uh social media etc into in, in in into the frame and the commentators certainly within some of these newspapers have not let go in their attacks for uh, on on corbyn and corbyn supporters and there mm. is and they were just intensified um well Owen, we'll probably start to wrap it up here now but um i suppose the last question for you is uh just in terms of Social movements, be they anti-austerity movements, anti-war movements, are those interested in even the academic questions pertaining to left strategy? Um, what's what does the next year or two look like? What should there be pressure to accomplish? What are what should people be trying to? I achieve? think with Cor- I, I, I do think this is a, a, a you know a, an extremely important leap forward in terms of as I said when I you know wrote the book on. Uh, on on austerity and and, and talked about um, the uh, you know the so-called left internationalism. This is politically this is this is highly significant. Yeah, you've uh, already seen Syriza come and go and and, and various other things and, and Sanders make it make an effort. But this is the first time it's politically uh, been legitimised, only to a degree, but to a certain extent through uh through popular support i think what they need to do now particularly the corbyn team and and, and my fit, my concern slightly is that corbyn might go back to type uh within ah. that within the with within the parliament now that's not necessarily his fault when he's got the plp charging around making all sorts of problems and right. uh, and these sort of things but i think some of the i think the manifesto is quite it was obviously a quickly drafted manifesto and it was an excellent manifesto and i think what they need to do is engage with that far more and bring these arguments out far more and mm-hmm. and, and this is where it comes to this argument on neoliberalism make these distinctions demonstrate how these can produce something different and and you know really attack some of the assumptions which have been uh which have emerged through austerity and through neoliberalization and various other things. And it's things like this that I, I think now they're in this position. They need to embed, if you like, this and, and uh, this position. And I think that will, that for them is part of providing a, a strong opposition. Um, and then see where they go over here. Um, you know, it's not their Brexit. So what happens with Brexit negotiations is. Uh, is is a, is yeah. another matter, but they can certainly be then enough to fill the void when if there's another election and and put them in an even stronger position. The uh, trends that we've seen in this uh, election, um, especially yeah. that youth vote mobilization, uh, where of course a lot of people. I mean, the one one thing I think both sides are consistently agreeing with this morning and and yesterday in the commentaries. Yeah. You know, turning the youth vote out was was really yeah. central. Does that seem to be now a permanent fixture? Or, uh... I think it will be. I mean, this is this is what the um, 
the if you like the the critiques the so the soft critiques within the uh, um, within the parliamentary Labour Party aren't don't really get uh, you know their belief that well Corbyn only went so far. Uh, the fact remains he got that far because of the youth vote or the vote for those between uh, eighteen to twenty five went up from forty three to seventy one percent. Wow! And was an overwhelming endorsement of Corbyn, and Corbyn has. Uh, over seventy percent of that uh, of that vote, and it's and and, and the increase was almost entirely Corbyn. Yeah. So you are talking something, you know, highly, highly significant. Um, and so I think it would be the case of if if that you know if they have a manifest like this, and if they have that type of politics, if they have the type of politics which offers uh, something different, I think that they'll, they'll vote again. If if um, so if Corbyn's still there, if 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 the Labour Party disintegrates again, it creates infights and and, yeah. and elect a, a more um, yeah. a, a progress party, which is the sort of uh, the other the other wing of the Labour Party, then they'll I think they'll revert back to type. Uh, mm-hmm. They won't come out like but, and ask yeah. about that. That would be very sad. And and this is hugely different. The Labour Party. I mean, that's a one one um, uh, one other thing about the Labour Party. If if you've um, uh, the under Gordon Brown, particularly towards the end of Blair and under uh, uh, Miliband, uh, who was a you know, reasonably good leader, but they mm. had absolutely no um, culture within the community. They were losing where the Conservative Party were gaining. They, they, the, the party members uh, were trying their best, but they were getting no support from head office who were just interested in uh, mixing with those within power and, yeah. and insiders, so to speak. Um, and this is what Momentum's done. I, the the Labour Party has, has, has doubled its membership in, in the last two years. It did actually go down a little bit after when, uh, as I say, just before this election, when there was a lot of criticism to... Corbyn, there was a number who gave up their membership, but it's increased again now. It's gone up another hundred and fifty thousand. So um, it's it, it, and, and that was that was the big thing about this election is just how the Labour Party completely radicalised their uh, their technique, their uh, ability to mobilise support and mobilise vote, which they haven't done for a long time. Yeah, it's impressive. And as I say, without Corbyn and without those from that momentum. Yeah, that mm-hmm. sort of um, that 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 buzz. They presumably they would just go back to time. Yeah, yeah. Well, Owen, I want to link to your uh, Irish Times piece in the show notes, which we will post on the uh, Occupy IR Theory blog. And then uh, perhaps when the piece you referred to earlier on um, comes out, uh, you'll let us know and we can post it into that there as well for listeners. Coming out, so I can give you those. Yeah, do we'll post them? That'd be great. Thanks so much for joining us today right. on Occupy IR Theories, Fully Automated. Yeah, thank you very much. That's, uh, and thank you, Owen. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. That's the one. <laughs> All right.